0: Federal Drive is presented by GEHA, Government Employees Health Association, proudly providing health and dental benefits to federal employees and their families. Visit GEHA.com.
1: Some notable changes coming to health care for 2024, retired or not, it would serve you well to understand those changes and your options while open season is still with us. With some timely advice, the editor of the Checkbook Guide to Health Plans for Federal Employees, Kevin Moss. Let's talk about annuitants, retirees. There's lots of changes in the health benefits plans for them coming in 2024, and they equally to the working people have a lot of choices to make, and now they have the opportunity to make them. Give us the rundown
0: of the top line they need to know. Two big things. One, higher premiums, 7.7% for FEHB, but also you're going to see a Part B premium increase too. It's only about 6%. So it's about a $10 price hike per month. It's now the Part B standard premium, one seventy four seventy a month. The other huge thing, though, is Medicare Part D. Federal employees haven't had to worry much about... D is part, for debt. D is for drugs in this case, Tom. <laughs> and the D for drugs is You know, federal employees really haven't had to worry much about Part D in the past because prescription drug coverage in the FEHB plans has been as good as what you could get in a Medicare Part D plan and didn't require you to go out to Medicare Part D and pay an extra premium in order to receive it. But in 2022, the Inflation Reduction Act is passed. In it are really important reforms that improve Medicare Part D. This year, insulin capped at $35 a month. Next year, 2024, no enrollee cost share over the catastrophic phase, and Part D premiums can't rise more than 6%. And then the big one that's hitting in 2025, $2,000 out-of-pocket spending cap. You no longer will be charged more than $2,000 for any out-of-pocket prescription drug costs out of a Part D plan. OPM saw these changes and in the spring signaled to the plans that they would like to see the plans be able to provide more Medicare Part D options in their FEHB plans, and importantly, allow for the first time a new plan type, and that is called a PDP plan or a prescription drug plan. This has never been offered before in FEHB, Next year, there are 17 FEHB plans that will have a PDP plan. All of them will auto-enroll you if you're in that FEHB plan and you have Medicare Part A or Parts A and B. There's one difference, and that is the Blue Cross plans, you must have both A and B. They will not auto-enroll you in Medicare Part A. The plans already, probably by the time you listen to this episode, have sent out a notice to you if you're impacted. Let's run down the plans real quick. It's all Blue Cross plans, standard, basic, FEP Blue Focus, NALC High, MHBP plans, APW High, Rural Carrier, Foreign Service, Samba plans, Health Partners, Aetna Direct Consumer Option, and Aetna Open Access High and Basic.
1: And just a basic question This covers drugs that are out there, that are approved by the FDA, that are in the Medicare system. Once in a while, you hear about some new drug that comes out for an exotic disease or it's an exotic remedy, and it's $50,000 for the year. Those generally aren't
0: covered, right? Sometimes they are. In fact, the last two Medicare Part B increases were actually covering Those types of really expensive drugs, those were actually the principal drivers of some of these Medicare Part B increases. But generally speaking, they may not cover those really expensive experimental clinical trial-like type drugs. They're going to be FDA-improved. Do keep in mind that the formulary on these plans is managed by CMS, not OPM. So there could be some differences, probably not if a drug is covered at all. The difference generally is in what tier it's covered, and the tier that it's covered sometimes has impact on your out-of-pocket costs. So, in order for these plans to be improved by OPM, they had to offer benefits that are as good or better. We've looked at the coverage. It's true. Generally, the co-pays, the coinsurance is going to be at least the same from the FEHB plan. In some cases, it is lower. And importantly, in a handful of those plans that we mentioned of the 17, they have added the $2,000 out-of-pocket max a year early. So Blue Cross Standard, MHBP plans, Aetna plans, Foreign Service, and Rural Carrier in 2024 have that $2,000 out-of-pocket max protection. So if you have moderate to high prescription drug use and you're not in one of those plans, this could be a really amazing way for you to save some serious money next year by enrolling in one of those plans.
1: And you know,
2: just going back to some of the changes specifically from the Inflation Reduction Act, I'm also curious, Kevin, if there are you know, sunset dates to some of those changes. Are these permanent things moving forward, or is there going to be kind of an end date to some of those caps, for example?
0: The one that I know of is the premium protection. I think that it's only for the first six years. So I think that sunsets, I think, in 2030. That may not actually impact FEHB enrollees that much because there is no additional premium for this Part D coverage. If you are below... IRMA, which is the income-related extra amount you have to pay if your income is over a certain amount. Those amounts have risen for 2024. Social Security put it up to 103000 for individuals, up to 206000 for couples. That's your adjusted gross income. It's a two-year look back. If you are IRMA, If you're an IRMA person, realize for Part D it's only about $13 a month in the first tier. You may be getting a lot more value than $13 a month with this extra Part D coverage, but IRMA is one of those things where it may be something that you don't want. The plans will give you an opportunity to disenroll if that's what you want. You have basically a 30-day window from when you get that letter to contact the plan and say, I don't want this Part D coverage. So it's IRMA. The only other case to consider is if you receive pharmaceutical support for purchasing a drug, like a discount coupon, you will no longer receive that discount coupon if you have Medicare Part D coverage. So if you're getting that type of support, that could be another reason why you may not want this Part D coverage. But check with the new Part D plan and see how they will cover the drug that you're getting support for. You may find out that the Part D plan does just as good a job as that pharmaceutical support.
1: Yeah, so the same kind of gestalt applies then. You really need to do some homework, even if you are an annuitant. And just like federal employees still working, don't presume anything and just don't automatically roll over. Even though most people do, this is a really good year to examine it carefully, bringing your own kitchen drawer full of pills with you when you do it.
0: Yeah, there's a little bit of friction to that. You're going to have to go to the plan website, search on the plan formulary on the website to see how that plan's going to cover a drug. You should see that it will still be covered if it was covered by your FEHB plan, but you will want to know how they classified it on the tier system and then know what that out of pocket obligation will be. You should find that it's as good or better, but make sure you're double checking that.
2: And are there other resources that retirees should be looking at right now? at least from my perspective, a lot of this could be very complicated to look at and to understand where should retirees start when they're trying to think about
0: all of this? Well, at GuideToHealthPlans.org, we publish our Guide to Health Plans where we take all of these factors into consideration to rank the plans on estimated yearly costs. And we find big-time savings for annuitants who actually look at our guide and consider their options. You know, there's one other way, Drew, for people to take advantage of Part D and it's Medicare Advantage. And Medicare Advantage plans have been around for a few years now, but they package original Medicare A and B with a Part D plan. There's even more options available in 2024. G-E-H-A, high and standard, two national plans are now offering a Medicare Advantage plan. The way these work is there's some type of Part B reimbursement, anywhere from 75 to 150 or more. In fact, Kaiser plans out in the Pacific Northwest and California, They'll go all the way up to two fifty. And that helps people who have to pay a Part B late enrollment penalty or perhaps they have to pay Irma. So you get some Part B money back. And then, importantly, some of them have zero out-of-pocket healthcare costs. You go to the doctor, zero. Hospital, zero. Chiropractor, zero. Acupuncture, zero. The only thing that you pay out of pocket is prescription drugs. And then some of these Medicare Advantage plans are giving you the $2,000 out-of-pocket max a year early. an Advantage, next year, $2,000 out-of-pocket for prescription drugs. And that's really your only out-of-pocket healthcare costs. These have amazing savings to federal employees. When we did the numbers for 2024, if you're in Blue Cross Standard and switch to United Choice Primary, it's not available everywhere, but it's available in about half the states, you'll save over $8,000. And most of that is for sure savings because of how high the premiums are in Blue Cross Standard, both Part B and in the FEHB premium. Now that's for a 70-year-old primary insured, self plus one who lives in the D.C. area with average health care expenses. So your savings may be different than that, but the Medicare Advantage plans have tremendous value. They're probably going to be one of the lowest cost health plans for most people, but they may not be the right plan for everyone. If you're one of those high income folks, that's income above $103,000 for individuals or $206,000 for a couple, you have to pay two IRMAs. You got to pay Part B IRMA and Part D IRMA. So that's an extra, even in the first tier, it's an extra about $70 on Part B. It's an extra 13 or so dollars on Part D. The financial value is now eroded, hasn't it? And the other thing to keep in mind is provider choice. Sometimes you know the providers that you have access to may be less than the plan that you're coming from. The Medicare Advantage plans say that you can see any provider that accepts Medicare and the plan plan. So definitely check to see how your current providers will be covered, if they are covered, and also any future providers that you may want to see, things like Mayo Clinic down the road, or MD Anderson, or some of the other Cleveland clinics, some of the other really famous healthcare systems. If those are important to you, maybe not now, but sometime in the future, check that Medicare Advantage Provider Directory to see how they'll be covered.
1: If you're retired and you're paying for two IRMAs, that's better than paying for Gladys and Hortense, your two prior wives. Sure. (laughs) And that's a recovering Kevin Moss, editor of the Checkbook Guide to Consumer Checkbooks. Good to have you with us.
0: Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Drew.
1: And of course, Drew Friedman has been joining me. Thank you, Drew. Thank you. We'll post the interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Subscribe to the Federal Drive wherever you get your shows. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before.
2: is important so that all voices and ideas are heard. So I like to call it our North Star. Having a people first culture really starts with the people in order to get our incredibly difficult mission accomplished. In terms of leadership, which is a great question, I think we all know that culture is really driven by leadership and the, the behaviors that we allow and we uh, you know, uh, reinforce in our leaders. So we really work at making sure that our leaders are bringing out the best in their people every day. So again, that they feel they can bring their voice, especially an opinion that might not go along with the majority of a group, so that we get that diverse perspective, we get those different ideas and experiences. And that's really where we find that it's important that leaders are purposefully bringing out their talent on their teams to enable our mission.
3: Excellent. We're, we're going through a, a culture project at our work. Now. Oh, great. It's, um, it's been six months in the making and it's going really well, but it is work. Yes. And it requires from the top down. So I'm, I'm also involved in that, I hear you. Great. Throughout your career, you piloted many different talent management programs, including at NASA, the CIA, the FBI, just to name a few, and you have an amazing career. What have you learned or how have you might have changed along the way in creating and leading those programs?
2: Yes, and I, I, I am so honored to have had a career in public service across multiple federal agencies, always in the realm of human resources and workforce performance. And I think because I study organizations and people in them, I've come to realize, particularly in the federal government, that many of our programs are really grounded in the industrial era thinking, that this is organizationally structured in a hierarchy with boxes and lines on charts, uh, with the center being around jobs and what do we need to get this job done in terms of skills and training. And what I found is that we're really not in the industrial era anymore where we would promote the smartest people who knew that work and they would then tell the people on their team how to do things and oversee that work. We're now in a digital era and the information era where work gets done collaboratively across geographic boundaries and certainly across org charts. So uh, we like to call it networks um, or hierarchies. And we really need to, again, unleash people so they can find those other people who are working on similar problems or have the right ideas. And so I really like to think of our work now in the talent programs being human centered it's more about the user and the experience than about the rules and regulations. So although we have to have rules and regulations, certainly in human resources, is that person experiencing what they need and getting what they need for their role at that time? So not so much on the job, but on the person. So for example, we're recruiting. What's the applicant experiencing? Because if they're not having a good experience with our organization from the time we're recruiting them, they're gonna go work for somebody else. Same thing with like first-time supervisors. We know they need certain training, but telling them to sit in a class for one week and then hope a year from now they'll remember what they learned to apply, that's not really human-centered. The human-centered is, what do they need when they need it? and building modules or or just-in-time training and bringing that to the people, to that user, as they need it. So that's really, I think, the most important focus of talent programs today in this era to enable the workers to be the best they can be in their their roles.
3: Excellent. New thinking. Um, This is always an interesting question. Has there been a time when, as a leader, that you've made a mistake?